Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Regional One Health um, Lunch with Dr. Cooper podcast. It's exciting to be back. We took a 12-month break um, because of uh, the pandemic and our social distancing policies within the organization. But with the better control, the vaccine, and all those good things, and the ability to do some social distancing here in the in the podcast room, we're able to get things started together. And today we're going to talk to Mr. Ambrose Johnson and uh, Miss Lily Cooper um, as, as our guest today to introduce you to the organization, to learn a little bit about your philosophy and learn a little bit about you. So we're going to start with uh, Mr. Ambrose Johnson, and um, you are a daytime supervisor for environmental services. Yes. And um, how long have you worked here at Regional One Health? I've been here at Regional One Health for, it'd be six years in June now. And that and that's that's exciting. So you've seen a lot of changes. I have. You've seen a, a lot of um, opportunities, um, but nothing like we saw in these last twelve months with uh, with the um, with the pandemic. Correct. Tell me a little bit about um, you know we we think of essential workers. We first go to the nurses and the doctors and respiratory therapists, and we think that's the, you know the essential workers. But EVS is an essential worker. Um, for the hospital on a day-to-day basis and extremely important during the pandemic. Tell me a little bit about how it affected um, EVS. It was rough. Uh, EVS, we put in a lot of plans, you know, in place uh, when the pandemic hit. Uh, What we do, EVS as a department, we sanitize and disinfect the facilities. That includes OR rooms, patient rooms, uh, hallways, uh, restrooms on a daily basis. Very good, and that's that's um, that helps people put in perspective the essential function of EVS. If EVS walked out of the hospital and said we don't need EVS, the you know trash would pile up. The, the organization would immediately um, see the effects of that. And so, I from from a leadership standpoint, um, I just want to say. Thank you to you and your team for for doing that work that keeps us safe, reduces infections, and is part of the team in helping our patients patients get better. This whole pandemic was a emotional time, an emotional experience. Um, tell me a little bit of how you work with your employees and how you motivated them to work through this because there was fear. Of, of catching the virus, there was fear of dying from the virus, um, but, to, but to motivate your, your employees to continue to come to work and be a part of the solution, h- tell me how, how you were able to do that. We educ- uh, my leadership team uh, did a great job uh, educating us, and we educated our employees. We let them know that their job is very important. Without them, the doctors and nurses won't be able to do what they do, and uh, in oper- in, uh, hospital won't operate accordingly. So that was, it was, everybody was scared. You know, we had employees to leave. Uh, you had some employees didn't want to go into COVID areas because they want to educate. So we educated them on a daily basis mm-hmm. and we uh, let them open, have their open concerns. And we, you know, and that was the key part of communication. So, so yesterday, no one really, I didn't realize that we were. I hadn't looked at my calendar for the next day. We did a tour yesterday with with you and your team, 
and um, we we walked around and looked looked at areas, and and I was impressed with um, you all's team to be able to see, and it kind of goes into our next question when we talk about patient experience, and and we all do this at home when when you know our our, our bedrooms or beds are made up, but there's a pile here, there's a pile there, there's a pile there, but when company comes, we look at it a whole differently. Correct. Whoa, we got to pick all this stuff up because company's here. And and when we look at the whole organization, we always have to see it as if company is coming. And 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 so when you when we put together those plans, it's kind of what we discussed yesterday, is that we always see the organization through the eyes of companies coming. Yes. And when we do that, we're motivated to make sure the floors are popping and the trash is always is emptied. And I, I, I just had a good time walking around with you all yesterday, and, and I, I appreciate um, you all putting up with me, and, and hopefully it wasn't, wasn't too bad to walk around <laughs> with the CEO. Um, so how do, you, how do you educate? We talked a little bit about education. How do you educate your staff about patient experience and what EVS plays in that patient experience? Uh, good training. For one, good training, and we do follow up behind them with uh, discharges. We do uh, what you call a swab culture, to which you swab the room to make sure the disinfectant there's no disinfection inside the room. Uh, we make sure that they are doing what they need to be do. We have a plan for them to do each and every day, starting with high touch services all the way down to low touch services, and that is very important to us because. When a family member or a patient comes in to the organization, to the hospital, to a room, if they smell bleach, if there's no trash in the room, if the, if the floors are popping and the linen is immaculate, they, are, they, they say, the hospital cares about me. Same with the visitors. The hospital cares about my loved one, and it's very important. It, it, it really is. and, and 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 for you as a supervisor, you got to instill that into the people that you work with, yes. work, that work under you. Because um, a lot of times, if you just see it as a job, I got to mop this floor, I got to wipe this down, and you don't do it in a way that um, is thinking about what is that patient, what is that patient's family going to see Correct. and feel. And so you have this extra job as a supervisor Correct. to uh, motivate me if I'm working for you. you right. know, hey, Mr. Coopwood, I. I we really got to get this room popping because, we, you know, we have a 45-year-old male who's coming in here for some kind of, you know, been in some kind of trauma, traumatic accident, and we really want this room to look good for him. Right. And then I'm now invested in, in being a part of that patient experience. So that's good. Right. So what do you think are your biggest challenges that you may anticipate going to the next year? It's to make sure my housekeepers, my uh, employees stay motivated. And we, I do, I do that in a huddle. In a huddle, I tell them, you have to love what you do, first and foremost. You have to love what you do. I love what I do, and my employees love what they do. So you love what you do, you put into what you love. And so I let my employees know this could be one of your family members in the hospital. Mm -hmm. You know, you want to treat them as same as you would your mother or your sister. You know, you want to pour the same love. You want to do your aided. You know, you want to make sure they're getting taken care of, sanitized and disinfected your room and your bathroom each and every day. 
you know. So you have to love what you do. I love what I do. They love what they do. I'm keeping motivated like it, that. It's it, it it's important. Um, you know, that's the difference between kind of a job and a career, or a job right. and a um, when when you feel part of the team. Um, right. Where you know, there's a story of of Dr. DeBakey, who's a famous heart surgeon down in Houston. And, you know, he was making rounds, and they asked the um, gentleman who cleans the OR, and, and he says, what is your role? He said, I'm, I'm saving lives yes. um, and, and, and helping with the heart transplants. And I'm like, how do you do that? And he said, well, my job is to make sure everything is clean and sanitized and, and germ-free so that the next group of important people that are no more important than me, but the next group of important people who come in, can do their job yes. and, and, and operate on the hearts. And so that's what we, we, we desire for all of our employees it, it, throughout the organization, but definitely in EVS, um, because sometimes people tend to want to look down on EVS, but yes. EVS is as, if not more important than so yes. many other things that happen in this organization. So thank you for your leadership. Thank you. Um, work is important. Yes. But so is family. So is life outside the hospital. Yes. So is that balance. Yes. So tell me a little bit about your, um, what you would like to share personally about your personal goals. Um, one thing I learned in this pandemic and, and as, as I, I watched and had a few people that I knew that passed that, you know, nothing's guaranteed. And right. so I, I can't, I can't work. 18 hours a day and ignore my family and say, I'm going to get to them later. Exactly. Later for a lot of those people who were affected by COVID and affected by trauma doesn't come. And so I hope that you're able to keep that work-life balance. So tell me a little bit about yourself and, and, and so people know who Ambro is, <laughs> um, not just the guy who walks around looking to pick up, make sure the trash is picked up and the house is clean. Okay. I, uh I will be celebrating my anniversary, which will be five years in October. Congratulations. Uh, my wife works second shift, and so we do miss each other a lot. But we try to balance in on our, on our off days. Uh, I have my dealer's license. I like buying used cars. Mm. I like selling used cars when I can, when I can afford it. Uh, so I enjoy that. Uh, I love coming to work. You know, I do the best job I can while I'm here. And uh, that keeps me going right there. Well, I just want to say thank you for all that you do on behalf of Regional One Health and our patients. Um, um, you you are very important to this organization. The people that you manage are very important to this organization. And if you're watching this podcast, uh, make sure you you congratulate Ambro for and his team for what he does um, to help us be a team that's taking care of Regional One Health patients. Thank you so much for your thank you for, for having me, sir. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Our next guest is Ms. Lily Cooper. She's a director for the Route Center, which means she oversees our nursing teams and the women's services and our NICU. So welcome, Ms. Thank Cooper. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to have you. Um, you overlook a whole lot of different specialties, and, and um, you take the opportunity to celebrate your team's wins. Um, tell me about the team that you lead, and, and what, what are you responsible for? All right. So they're my joy, my love, my team. So 
en route, the building is named after uh, a previous mayor, right. um, Mr. Route. And we have two centers of excellence en route. We have a level three NICU, neonatal intensive care unit, and we also have a level three obstetrics, uh, high-risk obstetrics. So those are both two centers of excellence. Uh, within that, we have an OBED. We have three operating rooms. We have 15 uh, private uh, labor suites um, on our labor hall. We offer maternal fetal medicine, which is a group of highly specialized physicians who do this amazing um, work uh, intrauterine. So they do procedures intrauterine to save babies and mommies' lives. Wow. And in fact, uh, we're one of the few hospitals in the nation that provides some of the uh, procedures that, that we provide. We have the only, um, in the local area, uh, uh, on-site midwifery program. So that's really special for our mothers because we get mm. to offer them more services, right, that they, that they uh, would like. We also have um, postpartum, antepartum. So antepartum is the women who were pregnant, and we take care of those high-risk needs that they have to keep them, keep baby all safe and mommy all safe until it's time to deliver. We have GYNs, so we get GYN patients there. We also are affiliated, as you know, with the University of Tennessee. So we have all of those different groups, whether they're physicians, all levels of physicians, students, interns, fellows, nursing students, uh, all of that, and all of us together take care of our moms and babies. Wow, that's that's um, that's exciting, and um, and and thank you for what you do for on behalf of all the moms, moms and babies that come through here. We all, okay, I say we all. I, I, I was blessed to have um, I'm blessed to have five healthy children. Um, I take it back. Fathered five healthy children. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> e every time when when I get the, the news that hey we're pregnant, you you just you just imagine that it going nine months and magically on the determined day nine months later a normal healthy newborn pops out. That's not always the case in the ladies that you're taking care of over on Route Center. So and there's a lot of emotional ties to to that and so you're dealing with women who thought the same thing my wife thought and and here it is at five months or at four and a half months and they're in labor and how do you and your nurses work with them because that's more than just nursing that's trying to help the emotional piece and then taking care of the baby on the other side so tell me a little bit about how you help that and how you help recharge your nurses because it's yeah. probably some trying times. Yeah, you're correct. <laughs> it's not true. We, you know, the dream of you're pregnant and you're going to have this perfect baby and your whole course, and it's going to go the way you think, you know, the birthing plan, the famous, infamous birthing plan. So, yeah, and I'm one of six, by the way. I have a twin brother, and we were last. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, anyway, yeah, so... You're right. It is a lot. There are a lot of emotions involved. It's extremely complicated, and our population is so complicated. So they're automatically coming in, you know, set up to not go well. And so I think, our st first of all, our staff are experts. They're mm -hmm. really experts at what they do. Um, they care. They're, they're very holistic in their care. They listen to their mothers. They listen to the families. Um, 
And so creating that environment where you feel safe, because there's a lot of fear, a lot of fear when all of that happens. And, you know, COVID and not being able to have support people during COVID has been really hard, really hard. And so we've had to work extra specially hard and not just fear for the patients, but fear for ourselves and our own families. And so as leaders and as my route leaders, our nursing leaders and physician leaders, we really had to work together as we always have, but even more so to communicate well, um, to be among, you know, I wore scrubs a lot, you know, go in there, be among, go in the patient's rooms when you can, um, when you can't, then find other ways to be among and be with. And, and a lot of it is being present. So yes, we have the clinical expertise. We really do. We're renowned for that internationally. So that's okay. But what is the most important is, and we have a diverse population. So um, a lot of non-English speaking. So how do we know what their birth um, 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 customs are? So on the fly, on the fly, we have to go to the internet real quick and run into that room. And and this birth mother doesn't speak any English. She's been in America for four months. And really it was all about the, the grandmother is the one who leads the birth experience. And they also believe that in this particular, um, um, case that the you, the mother keeps warm, so we had to go quickly and get warm blankets and surround that mom. And I actually physically held the mother and stroked her head so she'd get an epidural, but she didn't understand. She was so afraid. She didn't have her mother, and just kept you know rubbing her mm. head and saying, "It's gonna be okay. Mommy's here. Mommy's here." So I became her birth mom to wow. give birth. So so those are the things that we do, and um, route. That's impressive, and I. I um... I applaud you and your team for what you do, and you, you're also um, taking care of the NICU where you were, were babies who are born prematurely or are managed, and, and you and um, your team do an excellent job with that. And, and so, so, so we're hopefully at the end of this pandemic. <laughs> and um, as you said, the pandemic changed where you know, you used to have to almost say, okay, we got to limit how many people are in here with mom while she's in labor and send some of y'all to the, to the waiting room to where we can only have maybe one. Initially it was none. And then we got to one. Correct. And, um, and so there was a lot of changes uh, related to this pandemic. One of the changes I hear you took over, um, an area of the hospital that, um, really nobody knows about, but unfortunately during the pandemic, we used it more than we historically would. Um, but you took a real um, interest in, in managing our morgue. Tell me a little bit about that. I had a little bit of background in hospice. And so um, so for me, it's just been the greatest joyful privilege probably of my career now to surround myself with birth and then death. And so I truly have my arms around everybody, right? And so to bring respect and to bring uh, care um, and the decedent care um, has been really important. And I have a fabulous team with that too. You know, everybody thinks it's like CSI and that, you know, (laughs) morgues on TV. And that's not what I, as it turns out, any hospital I think in America has anymore as I had to do my research, right? And so 
So I have a team, and I have a, a business person who helps me run uh, uh, the fetal demise program in route, and then the house supervisors help me uh, run the adult side of the morgue, and then a host of other people. And then with COVID, of course, policies, procedures, everything had to be looked at. A spotlight was then on the morgue because everybody was looking at New York, right? It's like, oh! So we couldn't let that happen. So we partnered in the community at one point. You know, body bags were on back order. Mm. <laughs> you couldn't, you know, we had to be able to expand our service. We had to expand our capacity in the morgue, so we had to pull in facilities, and what are we going to do? I had to reach out to local funeral homes. I called all the other places I've ever worked before. What are y'all doing? What are you doing? And so we worked. It was a collaborative effort to make sure that we were doing the right thing, which changed every other day, I have to say. <laughs> as you know, um, and how to even from postmortem care on the units, and then, of course, even being picked up, right, by the Emmy's office or the funeral homes. What did that look like? So it was a real opportunity to design, create, develop, or update maybe any other policies and procedures we had, and now it's all in place. And so um, one of the silver linings, I guess, of COVID, but, um, but to bring that attention and love and care to those that we did care for until they actually leave us. And, 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 and you know, it's a little thought of, but, you know, when we talk about patient experience, where we think of the patient in the bed, but that patient experience is their family. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, when someone dies, um, that post-death experience now is the experience of the family. And when it's done with respect and when it's done with um, poise um, it, it doesn't look like hey we've never done this before what do we do but you give that comfort to the family that you're also going to take care of their loved one um, in an appropriate way even in death so I appreciate you taking that on um, I had an opportunity to go down there we filmed a little video and and Lily is responsible for putting a prayer on the door of the morgue that is ask everyone to recite that prayer before they place a, a, um, a um, a deceased individual in there and that's it was very touching um and it brought humanity to the dying and death process so thank you so much for that um so, segue a little bit here just <laughs> um you know that that that's the reality of, of what we do but um it's so important when we have this you know the staff that you do the um, the talented people that you have, the complexity of, of what you do. How, how do you celebrate wins with your team? And, and A, do you feel that's important, and which I'm, I'm hoping you'll say yes, um, but it, it, do you feel that is important? Um, and then how do you do it, and how do you make the, the teams happy to be um, a, a part of and feel welcomed and, and loved by their fearless leaders? <laughs> well, I hope I do that every day, every minute, every hour, uh, <laughs> because truly I do celebrate them. And <clears throat> again, back to being present, I think that's probably the biggest way we do it as leaders. So one of the things that, uh, that we decided on uh, in the management group is Every day, Monday through Friday, not always can we, we have some conflicts, we get together now as leaders and we round on all the units and we be among and sometimes we'll pick one unit like the NICU's big. So we'll go all the way, I just onboarded a new manager. So we introduce that manager all the way around. We talk to the people, they see us together, we say 
Thank you. Uh, we'll, we'll ask, please, you know, PCC, identify the person who's really gone above and beyond today. So that's probably where I believe we let them know that we care the most. Also, if they ask us for something, this is also something I stress, we try to deliver it. If, if the staff asks for something they really need, mm-hmm. you know, do you have the tools and equipment? We try to get it. We send home thank you notes. We celebrate when they graduate from, you know, uh, an accelerated program or, you know, uh, go from ADN to BSN, get a master's. Um, We certainly have a lot of parties if we can. COVID has put a real glitch on that. So I'm looking (laughs) for, because I'm telling you that Sharonda Taylor and Adrian Walton, no one gives a party like they do on their unit. They celebrate everything. And I asked them, I said, my Lord, I mean, we're talking we're talking it's beautiful uh and they said they learned it from a previous manager years and years ago how to do it right so and then we have y'all come visit us and 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 you tell us you're doing a great job as a team we have the safety call uh Anything I, we can do. You get it? I think so, I judged a, a, a chili contest one time. Yes, up you there did. And, we had a chili cook-off among <laughs> among the different service lines and departments, and so, that was really that fun. Was, and I had we to dressed up. Somebody that's that, right. That chili didn't win. So, it was so kinda... just know that that's coming back as soon as COVID is over because that right. was a lot of fun. Well, very good. Mm-hmm. Well, it, it's, 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 thank you for what you do. Um, you, you, you bring such great positivity and, and energy to uh, women's services, um, and, and you help that start of life, um, um, process. And, and so from, from the bottom of my heart, on behalf of all the leadership and our board, we thank you. The, the, b- before we close out, I, when you first came, you told me something that, uh, about you heard me speak somewhere and, and that was one of the reasons... Help me with that because it makes <laughs> makes me all, so, very nervous when I go speak. That, so that, that I'm, uh, I knew Diana Topshin. Uh, with the student group uh, mm-hmm. when she opened up one of the hospitals in a previous system we both worked in and so I'd known her for years and years and then she went to work for the student group and and so she was like maybe you want to come work for the student group so she actually um, so I actually flew here to Memphis years ago um, and she brought me to they used to have LDIs right, right? And to the LDI it was actually over at UT and you were talking about falls and I you were talking about falls and that fall rate and you got off the stage and you were actually walking around and saying you will (laughs) you will lower your fall rate everybody hear me and you were walking among and I lie I just went okay that's it that's the guy that's the one I want to work for so way before um you know um another uh nurse leader invited me to come and and interview that and I still say that today never even more happy that 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 I heard saw listened and came and was invited to come um so I want to thank you personally (laughs) for being the man I thought you were for being the leader that I thought you were um, and one other thing I want to say, and it's on my door, on my office door, it's tough to beat a team that never gives up. Babe Ruth. That's true. Thank you for that. Um, thank you, Lily and Ambro, for bringing back lunch for Dr. Cookfoot, even though I don't see any lunch. <laughs> um, um, but we, that's fine. We'll, we'll say we talk during lunch. <laughs> 
Um, and, and as, as we get back into the normality of, of running the hospital, we'll get these podcasts back on, on a quarterly basis. And, um, we look forward to talking to more individuals in the organization. Like we've had an opportunity to talk to both you and Ambro today. So thank you for, for what you do and being a part of it. And thank you for being here today. Most welcome.